Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession, as well as discuss current issues that business owners are facing today across a wide variety of industries. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years in banking and 15 years as a business coach to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. We have a great guest on the show today, Seth Peabody. And Seth is a CPA with ITXRE CPA firm. Seth, welcome. Thank you for having me on Valentine's Day to talk about taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, taxes are near and dear to people's hearts, so maybe that is appropriate to talk about it on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so let's kick it off with tax planning. A lot of business owners have some kind of a methodology around it. Some don't. It's a, a term that I think every business owner should be familiar with and executing on, but Let's just start there. Seth, in your mind, what is tax planning? Let's step into the business owner's mind and go through their experience and what I've garnered from them also being an entrepreneur. Most CPAs do tax telling. They take your numbers and they tell you what you owe and you write the checks and then you see how much pain it is. They don't go into being proactive and thinking of ways to reduce your tax and knowing the tax code and using it to the business owner's advantage. So for instance, we're here in Atlanta. A lot of us don't know about the advantages of oil and gas. And the oil and gas companies really have deep pockets, as we know, and they paid Congress off and Congress makes the rules for the IRS. And so they have uh, advantageous tax code written specifically to the oil and gas to where, for example, you could take $100,000 and invest it in the stock market and it sits there. You can put it in an independent oil and fund and deduct a portion of that in the year you make the investment. So if you're at a tax rate and you put in 120 and you're allowed to deduct 100,000, most everybody's tax rates roughly 40%, you know, 40% times 100,000, you just put $40,000 back in your pocket. Yeah. Wow. So that's different types of tax strategies and thinking about it differently and being proactive and getting ahead of it. Before I came in this morning, there's a client up in Blacksburg, Virginia, that shot me an email and said, hey, I'm planning on selling a building. Here's the sales price. Here's the expenses. What's the tax look like and what can we do with it? You got 1031 exchanges where you can exchange real estate for real estate. It can be a building for farmland, for instance, or a building for a beach house. Um, You have 1031 funds where you can 1031 or exchange into a fund. And what that 1031 does, it defers the gain on the sale and maybe until your feet are up. 
Yeah. That's what everybody's goal is, is to defer tax until our feet are up <laughs> and pass it along because you get that step up. Sure. Basis. Sure. I know also a couple of terms. There are tax credits. Mm-hmm. There are tax deferrals. And then there are tax deductions. And again, this might be basic for some, but it's not basic for others. So how is a tax credit more beneficial than a tax deduction? That's a that's actually a great question because a lot of people don't understand it, even very smart business owners. So a tax credit is a dollar-for-dollar dollar reduction of tax. A tax deduction, if you had a dollar of deduction, your tax rate's 40%, you've reduced your tax by 40 cents on the dollar. So the representation of a credit's dollar for dollar, the deduction is a percentage reduction of whatever the deduction may be. So a lot of people think that deduction is going to reduce, hey, I put $100,000 in, my tax is going to go down by $100,000. No, it really went down by 40000 So that's something that we walk through with our clients when we do the tax planning and have some good communication and dialogue to explain to business owners because they tax code is confusing as it is and educate them and communicate to them and they become better business owners by understanding the differences. Sure. And I know when I started my business 15 years ago, I didn't know anything about quarterly estimates. I was an employee. They deducted out of my uh, uh, paycheck and I thought that was the end of it. There are things around Do you pay quarterly estimates? Do you not pay quarterly estimates? I've seen some clients that are paying in their quarterly estimates regularly. I'm saying that there are also some that choose to to pay it all at the end of the year and and pay whatever penalties there are. So how how does all that work? It depends. (laughs) (laughs) Understand. Perfect CPA answer, right? It depends. (laughs) Believe it or not, We have been telling clients over the last few years not to make estimated payments. The penalty for making estimated payments was less than what you could make in a CD or money market account. And the IRS says you're required to make that payment, but that requirement is an interest penalty if you don't make it. So it's like a short-term loan until you have to uh, pay the tax. Now, a lot of people are confused with April 15th when you extend. It's a, an extension of time to file. It's not an extension of payment. So point. if you don't make payments then, the, the clock still turns. So we sit down and we show the client, hey, this is what we think your tax is. This is the penalty associated with not making the payment. And then everybody has a different level of risk, right? A different I don't know, a different color on the litmus test. I just show them and, hey, do you want to go ahead and pay it or not? And more times than not, people see that that interest and penalty and they say, okay, I'm not going to pay it. I'm going to retain my cash and hold on to it. And then I'll just pay it in April whenever I file my tax return. So it's all about seeing it and not knowing what it is and having that, what is my tax? And that's something we get into the planning I didn't cover earlier is we have a planning department. So we proactively go after clients, get them on the calendar, schedule them, build out what we call a mock tax return and say, okay, this is what your tax return looks like. What strategies can we use based on the industry you're in, the cash available, whatever strategies are available at that time of year, and then just build out a plan. So by the time we get to your tax return, we've already done it two or three times. So it's we know what the tax is. In fact, this past week, we're already 
giving clients extension vouchers that want to make payments. And I don't even know what today is. I guess it's Valentine's Day. Or That's so. right. It's Wednesday. February 14th, Wednesday. They don't have to actually extend their return for another 60 days. But we're so proactive. We already know what you owe. And we have a pretty good idea about it. And so we go ahead and just file the extensions. And then you can you have them in your hand and you can pay those in the next 60 days. Yeah. And I love the term you used earlier, tax telling <laughs> versus tax planning. One is a very reactive approach. But the other one is a very proactive approach. Right. And the outcome is it takes the confusion out of it and gives the business owner or the consumer clarity yeah. in tax payments. We're talking this morning with Seth Peabody. Uh, Seth's been a CPA for over 20 years, working in small and medium and large firms in pursuit of growing a niche CPA practice. He learned business owners and high net worth individuals didn't have true annual income tax planning, and he created a program which we're talking about and a process for clients to reduce taxes annually. And Seth, I'm wondering if that's really a clear differentiator for you and your firm, but I do want to say, how do you feel like your firm is different and how you differentiate yourself in the marketplace? That, that it, that's the differential for us. We're 100% client referral. We don't do a huge amount of marketing. We do a little bit. We talk and do podcasts here and there, but most of it is just sitting down with a client, a new client and saying, Hey, this is what it looks like. This is how it works. And their business owner that's been nose to the grindstone all these years and finally gets a good explanation of how to work the tax code. And then they they start their brain starts churning just like any entrepreneur. Sure. So we've built that program and that process and that and not to just tell clients, hey, call us when you need tax planning. It's being proactive and putting that little piece and going after the client and scheduling the meetings, grabbing their information because you're busy, right? How many entrepreneurs have kids and families and their chief bottle washer and CEO and they're running around and they wake up in January, February, March. Oh no, my taxes. What do I owe my taxes? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, they give their CPA a call and they're like, oh, we can do planning, but nobody reached out during the year and you can't change taxes. You can, but there's limited uh, ability to change taxes once you cross over that 1231 threshold. So we get in there and CPAs are history reporters, right? We're just reporting the history from the prior year. Well, we can change the history if you have a plan within the year. Yeah. And I guess for our listening audience, that business owner probably starts thinking about taxes, maybe in September, maybe October, but ideally having that conversation and being able to tax plan rather than tax tell, it seems that it probably needs to take place in the fourth quarter of the year. Actually, it takes place in February. <laughs> wow. Okay. So we are already scheduling calls for kind of the first session. So we generally speaking, normal course of business, we'll break it down into two different planning meetings during okay. the year. Obviously, if you're selling real estate, selling a building, selling your business, your practice, there's some large transaction. We may meet five, six times during the year. So we're already scheduling out folks between now and we say mid-July. So we have a plan. There's certain tax strategies that if you invest earlier in the year, you get either a discount or a larger percentage investment. 
Gotcha. So if we can get in front of those funds and get clients in early, then they save money there too. Sure. A lot of the funds don't start opening until June. So if we can already have a plan and it's a rough plan, things change, right? Sure. You may say in June, Hey, I want to sell my business or I want to buy a business that changes things. But if you don't have a plan as you're going down the road, it's hard to know what direction to to turn. Right. And if you have a plan, then knowledge is power and they have knowledge and then they can make better decisions. So we believe it or not start early. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's awesome. So talk a little bit about who are your clients? Most of our clients are entrepreneurs in service-based businesses. We're firms in Atlanta here, but most of our clients, we actually have more clients outside of Georgia than we have in Georgia. And they're spread all across the country, anywhere from, we have a lot in the dental industry, we got a lot of real estate, and then we just got a lot of service-based entrepreneurs that have selling widgets here and there of things you've never really thought of, but ways they have to make money. It's pretty interesting. We got a crop duster out of Mississippi who's one of our clients. Wow. You know? um, yeah. And he's a big entrepreneur. So it's mainly serial entrepreneurs in whatever business they're in to generate income. And it sounds like because you're very proactive in your approach, how you interact and communicate with your clients is different as well. We've talked about that a little bit in that you start tax planning early in the year, February, but how do you interact and communicate with your clients? So we take an entrepreneurial approach to the bean counter world. Yeah. I like to say I'm an entrepreneur stuck in a CPA's body. (laughs) I was an entrepreneur, I think, stuck in a banker's body. So we might relate a little bit there. Best way, we try to figure out how the client communicates. So either text, emails, phone calls, because everybody communicates differently. And there's people that prefer different ways of communication. So we know how they are. And then we reach out in the office and say, hey, this is, here's a certain number of days and times. Let's get you on the calendar and get together and start planning. And then we got a process in the office to follow up in six months. And it's all about processes and procedures and making sure they work, right? And when there's a mistake made, it's not usually the person, it's the process and the procedure is broken somewhere. Right. So I've learned from working with uh, startup companies and entrepreneurs, the successful entrepreneurs, that they've always put processes and procedures in place. And so we have a mapped out process and procedure yeah. of yeah. how to communicate, when to communicate, and uh, follow up. Yeah. We're talking today with Seth Peabody, uh, who owns ITXRE. They create a proactive environment to assist businesses and individuals with annual income tax across the country. It's simple. Annually, they create and develop a plan around their client. Then they work to control and minimize the impact of income tax to the business and the individual. And then next, they complete the last step of the plan, filing the actual tax returns. Seth, the CPA industry, like the banking industry, has high standards, they're regulated. What are some of the CPA firm industry problems that are out there right now? The biggest problem is twofold. We don't have enough warm bodies to do tax returns. Folks listening to this podcast get form K-1. They're always looking for their K-1s to do their tax returns. There's not enough bean counters in the CPA world to get those K-1s out. A lot of firms are leveraging international sources. 
just to have bodies to prepare tax returns. So that's been a solution. But if you look at accounting degrees, they fell 10% between 2021 and 2022. There's, as I was told, there's a crisis <laughs> in the universities and colleges to have kids go into accounting and choose that as a degree because it's the hardest, in my opinion, degree to degree to get in a college or university as it goes to business school, B school. It's not fun. It's not sexy. It's it's not interesting to talk about how many people are going to whatever parties you go to in college and talk about debits and credits, right? Yeah, so yeah. they have that problem of people coming into the industry. When people come into the industry, three out of four leave within two years to go do any sorts of things, not accounting, basically, bartending, rafting, guide, all sorts of things that are a little bit more fun. I think the generations below my generation appreciate more life than work. Nobody's really ever given you a high five for finishing a tax return. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the top end of our industry in the last decade, it hasn't really changed. 60% of all CPAs are in retirement age. Mm. And so they are leaving just because they want to leave. They want to retire. They pass away. They can't do as much as they used to do. And then so you have this sandwich, so to speak, between the top end and the low end. And so you're left with folks in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And you can only do so much work and so much time. And uh, it's just taking a whole lot longer. Our industry's got to change either when we were talking earlier, either with AI or we got to find some sort of pool of people that want to do tax returns. Yeah. And I want to, I want to get to AI in just a minute. Warren Buffett said the language of business is accounting. And what I'm finding so often is business owners don't speak the language. It's not something they took in school. There's no on-the-job training. And so the ability to speak accounting from the business owner's standpoint, they need people like you and others to interpret because they don't speak the language. Right. My brother, very smart individual. He's a real estate entrepreneur here in Atlanta. And he said the only thing that got him through accounting was a bottle of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> and you talk to most entrepreneurs and business owners, they don't want anything to do with accounting, right? Because it didn't make sense. Funny enough, it makes sense to me, which is funny and odd at the same time. But because if you know me, I'm an entrepreneur, but I know my debits and credits and where they go. And you look at accounting, when people start up, they don't want to apply a lot of their business resources to accounting, right? And they don't want to learn it. But that's the language they need to speak, as you said, to banks, to get financing, to do their tax returns the right way. And there's not really any classes to teach them right. that are practical, in my opinion. It's funny, most accountants that get out of school, they don't know how to do Taxes. I told, we had an intern come in June and he said, what do you expect from me? And I said, nothing. I said, the last four years you'll learn that did not help. <laughs> <laughs> I said, maybe understanding the theories of credits and debits, but doing a tax return. But you sit down and teach them and they catch on really quick if they yeah. want to. Yeah. But the human bodies is our biggest problem. AI, I think, will solve the problem because the forms aren't changing, but the development of AI is going to help. But you're right. Those financial statements basically give the story of a business to outsiders to help grow businesses and for people that need help on their businesses so folks can understand 
they hear you talk about your business, but the proof is in the pudding on the financial statements. So let's get to AI in a, in a CPA firm. Talk about that. So AI is coming along. We have some OCR software that recognizes like W2s and 1099s and that stuff, but it doesn't recognize your shoebox returns or everybody's got some portion of a shoebox in their return meeting. There's a handwritten note that scribbles out your charitable deductions or whatever. AI is not advanced enough to pick that up yet. So you need somebody to enter that information. A lot of our K-1s that we get are multi-state K-1s. So a majority of our clients file in more than one state. And AI is not built well enough to go pick up the information on those various state K-1s. So at some point, AI will catch up, hopefully sooner rather than later, and be able to read the tax forms and correctly input the software. Because it's not very difficult to pick up a form and enter into software. It's pretty easy. Anybody can pretty much figure out after you've been taught, hey, take this form that you've seen a thousand times and enter it in this cell. And that's what a lot of CPAs do. But I think AI is going to replace that because it's it's the same thing all the time. I can see AI picking that up pretty easily once somebody's developed the, the software. Yeah, yeah. As we close out, Seth, you've been practicing for over 20 years. You've seen thousands of business owners' tax returns. I'm curious, are there some little tidbits of wisdom that you might be willing to pass on to business owners that aren't thinking about taxes until the very last minute? The The podcast is called Profit Sense, right? Yep. And if you want to grow your profit, how about taking your 37% federal tax bracket down to 24% and putting 13% back in your pocket, right? Think about business owners. Yeah, you're trying to generate income and revenue, but every turn you go by, there's taxes, right? Yep. So if you can put a guaranteed 13% back in your pocket, I think you would appreciate that. Look at profit profit margins for retail, commercial, let's see, wholesale, construction, restaurants, right? They have a low profit margin. So if you can look at, hey, I got a low profit margin, but I can add back to that by reducing my taxes and just being proactive. And it's really, most clients, we probably spend, I would say, maybe in in office, 10 to 15 hours doing their planning, but it's really two hours with the business owner a year to save Thirteen thousand dollars on every hundred thousand dollars of net income that you have. That's big. It's it's pretty big, and you start generating that and creating a snowball. You start creating secondary and tertiary income streams, and then you can make clear decisions on your business because you're not worried about am I going to have a dollar to make payroll or not. So, where you've got me thinking is, you can actually be more profitable by minimizing your tax liability rather than driving revenue or cutting expenses. Exactly. It makes all the sense exactly. in the world. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That is profit sense. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, for our listeners out there, business owners, professional services firms, if they want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in touch? Do you have a website or email or phone? Uh, you can reach out to us through our website, itxre.com. Our phone number is 770-642-9855. Or email at info at 
itxre.com or my email address with is Seth period Peabody at itxre.com. Seth, it's been great to have you on the show. Lots of words of wisdom. My big walk away is there is tax planning versus tax telling. So thank you for that. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks for having me. I want to talk a little bit today about how to manage the buyer-seller dance. During a sales call, both buyer and seller have their own goals and agendas. They are constantly trying to influence each other and often get caught in what we call the buyer-seller dance. In my experience, if we don't have a sales process, we automatically divert to the buyer's process and the buyer leads in the buyer-seller dance. Buyers have access to more information than ever before. They are increasingly sophisticated and savvy and also have the option to walk away from a sale at any time. So, what are some ways that sellers like us can lead the buyer-seller dance? First is set the agenda for the sales call. Sellers can do this by asking the buyer what they want to learn about and what their goals for the call are. Second, ask open-ended questions. This will help sellers learn more about the buyer's needs and challenges. Third, focus on the buyer's pain points. Sellers should know their buyer, how their product or service can solve their problems and improve their life. Fourth, be honest and transparent. Sellers should avoid making false promises or overselling their product and service. And last, be confident. Sellers should believe in their product or service and their ability to help the buyer. When sellers are able to lead the buyer-seller dance, they are more likely to close sales and build long-term relationships with their customers. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at The Profitability Coach. If you want to listen to past or future ProfitSense episodes, you can find us at ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is ProfitSense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.